and John. Justin, West Virginia here, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on cannibal movies, if you like or dislike them, and what are your favorites? Ravenous, We Are What We Are, and Cannibal Holocaust are my top three. Thanks. Hey. Thanks, Jess. Um, I'm going to take this first because, as usual, Megan and Zena's depth of knowledge in, this, in pretty much all realms of horror is way deeper than mine, so I need to take the low-hanging fruit. <laughs> you got found footage, champ. <laughs> I know. We'll see, but nobody has phone footage questions. They just recommend Megan is missing. Although I did get a new recommendation that I'm going to work on for next week. Okay. Yay. See? But we'll talk about that next week. <laughs> it's actually going to lead me down to a completely different path, and I'm going to be trying to put myself a little bit out of my comfort zone. So Ooh, we'll see how this goes. Very nice. Yeah, it might not last. We'll see. Um, but my the two that I liked the most was Raw, mm-hmm. uh, oh, the yeah. French... Uh, the French movie, which I didn't think I was going to enjoy nearly as much as I did, but I actually liked it so much that I did an advertisement on my podcast, Creepy, wh- that was based on Raw. Nice. It was based awesome. on like the accident on the side of the road, and I hired a French-speaking voice actress to do her lines completely in French because I thought it was hilarious. Wow. That's, a, that's cute. I like it. Um, so I, I was impressed. I thought it was very surrealistic, um, you know. For for the advertisements of people talking about how people were getting sick in the theaters at TIFF or, or wherever else, I didn't think it was nearly as bad no. as people yeah. were making yeah. it sound. But I actually spoke to a festival publicist. Like, I saw this at Fantastic Fest, and I spoke to a publicist who, who had handled it at TIFF like a month prior because TIFF and Fantastic Fest are literally just weeks apart, and a lot of the mm-hmm. stuff will kind of cross-play. But anyway, she was like, yeah... That got overplayed like crazy, and I guess that probably works in their favor, but she said what happened is the people who got sick were people who had been partying hard that day (laughs) and just happened to, you know, crash during that movie. So it wasn't so much the movie itself, but more so the festival atmosphere. Mm-hmm. That's just brilliant PR right there. Yeah, it, it works in their favor, but I got I got the scoop firsthand on the truth I of mean, that story. Technically, they they did get sick. You know, they did. They movie, did while so. watching that movie. So you it, know, it's like when you see a review where you see ellipses, superb ellipses. It's like, <laughs> wait a second. Where's the rest of that sentence? There was a um, there's a Tom Hardy movie where he plays twin gangsters that I can't remember the name of. Um, they did this really brilliant thing where they were, the poster is all these four star reviews and it's his two characters standing in front of it. And what you don't, what you don't realize is that there's a two star review right between them, but it looks like they're just standing in front of it. Very like that's clever. so smart. Like they didn't mm. lie. Like that one paper <laughs> did give them two stars and they put it there, but they just made it look like, oh, they must be covering the other two stars. That's so smart. I love it. Uh, anyway, not to get too sidetracked. And then my other favorite cannibal movie is Ravenous. I love Ravenous. Yeah, I I don't know whether you count that or not because that I put that tentatively on my list too. But is it cannibalism? I mean, there is cannibalism, but if, I almost want to lump mm-hmm. that with a Wendigo horror. Well, they, they went so uh, Donner the Donner party with it. Yeah, I have to call it Ravenous. But I, you know, Wendigo horror doesn't get a whole sure. lot of love, and you know, <laughs> it the... doesn't. But I'll take both. Uh, yeah, okay. I'll take peanut butter well... and my chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> we'll classify it as both, either or, whatever your preference is. Okay, cool. How, how about you, Megan? 
Uh, I also love Raw and Ravenous and like our caller. I love We Are What We Are, um, both versions, because mm-hmm. it was remade and then, you know, it was originally a Mexican horror movie. Both are really both good. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like you would actually like this, John, if you like Raw. It's not quite as surreal, but it is very mm-hmm. kind of lyrical and, and a slow build into kind of what the fuckery. Um, and you, <laughs> I think you'll really like the characters too, because I know yeah. you're into character development. So yes, it I is am. a huge yeah. Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I feel like you'd be remiss to not mention that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Motel Hell. I thought about Motel Hell too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Spider Baby is one of my oh favorites. Oh my gosh, that... I love that movie. I know it never gets a love, but I absolutely adore Spider Baby. Um, but that one's a horror comedy from the 60s mm-hmm. it's so good. crazy stacked cast so yes i highly recommend spider baby um yeah i think uh hannibal cannibal holocaust i i have a hard time saying i like that movie because mm-hmm. it's just so brutal and you know knowing animal cruelty is involved is also super hard yeah. to watch but i i really really appreciate what it did and what it mm-hmm. said and you know how it kind of shaped horror so yeah i mean i like it but i have a i feel bad saying i like it right or a- appreciate it more than like it yes there mm-hmm. you go thank you sure so yeah what about you Zena? i know what Zena's gonna say you do because i, I was going to say raw <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, no, I think i know what else you're gonna say <laughs> but um I, I just piggybacking off of you megan like i agree with cannibal holocaust it's like I, I never tell people that i like that movie and that's another one that i can't recommend i try not to yeah. recommend you know that kind of but movie to people but i was actually late to watching that one and i remember people saying oh it's brutal it's brutal i'm like whatever okay i can handle it you know what i am <laughs> And yeah, it really is brutal. <laughs> so, that's Zena saying this. So, right? so that's uh-huh. how you know. Don't show that to your children. Do not show this that. This is body horror fan Zena. Yeah. Like, Zena's willing. She's got a very low bar for horror for five-year-olds. And this one. <laughs> yeah. Don't show this no to your God. five-year-old no. niece. Oh my gosh. Are you kidding? <laughs> Scarred for life. But yeah. Okay. So I do have uh, on, on the list. First, I have Offspring um, from 2009. And Dang. it's kind of like a cannibal cult type of movie. And then there's a sequel, The the Woman, which I like that one, too. Based on um, Jack Ketchum novels. So yes. if you've ever read a Jack Ketchum novel, you know it's pretty sadistic. Yes, it is. But, you know, it's, it, it is a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, I guess going more for like a comedy type of, of, of route, I really love the movie Parents from 1989. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. Like, where it's just like, you know, they just look like such a happy little family. Okay, I don't know. Why is that funny? The 50s <laughs> nuclear family. I mean, it kind of is a comedy. Right, it's right. really absurd type. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, And then this one, it's kind of, I guess, like ravenous where it's like, okay, would you count it as that? Um, But it's, it, it is a horror. It's like a erotic horror. I don't know what that is. Um, Trouble Every Day. Oh, uh, yeah, early for 2000s. sure. For sure. Yeah. And then and the then last that... one's Sweeney Todd. So. Sweeney Todd. Oh, Sweeney Todd. That's a good one. I totally thought you were going to say wrong turn. Oh, yeah. See, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> There's way more cannibal movies than we thought. There's so There's many. So many. Yeah. If you like Trouble Every Day, you could go with In My Skin, which is also French horror. Yes. It's like self-cannibalization. 
So yeah. Or even that other movie, um, what is it called? Eat. This girl's eating herself. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, See? More self-cannibalization. There's there's niches yeah. within subgenres. Yeah. I mean, and you can start to stretch it even more, like calling like Silence of the Lambs, mm-hmm. th- even though that that's a stretch. Um, or obviously like Hannibal, because you see him eating a brain or feeding a brain to Ray Liotta. <laughs> um, or or uh, um, Manhunter, or Red Dragon, anything involving Hannibal Lecter obviously could be considered. And there are they're all really good movies. Or well. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk that back and not say anything with Hannibal Lecter and it's good. How's but... about Hannibal the TV series? I think you've covered everything in that series. Uh, Hannibal the Rising. But yeah. We'll just stick with the TV show. Yeah, let's stick with the TV show instead. Like yeah. it, that That's Hannibal Rising is a whole different issue with me. Anyway, we'll talk about that some other time. Maybe on <laughs> Patreon someday. <laughs> And that's it. Welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Podcast, everyone. The podcast where we discuss all the disgusting things we love in the horror world. And to discuss the disgusting, you know her as lead movie critic for Bloody Disgusting, horror movie fanatic and journalist Megan Navarro. Hey, Megan. Hello. And you know her from her YouTube channel and website, Real Queen of Horror, and for her infinite love for the genre, Zena Dixon. Hey, Zena. Hi. And I'm John. If you're listening to this on a Wednesday when the episode drops, we hope your week's been filled with all the best kinds of horror. If not, let's do a quick round the table for the movies, books, games, anything else in horror that are making the three of us smile right now. Maybe there'll be things that'll make you smile too. Zena, what's filling your heart this week? So I decided to go back to the 90s and uh, I rewatch Voodoo on YouTube from 1995. Um, a college student must save his girlfriend from a fraternity of voodoo culturists who hoped to make her a human sacrifice? So um, this one is very flawed. So I don't want you to think that it's like perfection because it's very cheesy. It's just a cheesy supernatural 90s movie. And uh, Corey Feldman, he's in this one. And I think he's trying to like, you know, get rid of his like teen idol type of image. And it's just like, he really did try, you know, but I appreciate it. And so basically his character, he's, he goes to school in the UK and his girlfriend, she's in the US, like she's studying like medicine or something. And she's also terrible, by the way, she's just a horrible person and a horrible girlfriend. Matter of fact, everybody around him is terrible. But anyway, um, he decides that he wants to be closer to her. So, and I, I don't know. I just feel the need to tell you guys this. Like, I know I could just tell you why I like it, but this is why I like it. Okay. Okay. So just in case, if you're wondering, like, girl, what are you doing? This is what I'm doing. So (laughs) he decides that he wants to, you know, be closer to his girlfriend and, you know, he doesn't tell her that he's coming. So he like surprises her like, yeah, here I am. And she's mad because she was living her best single life on campus, you know, and you know, he doesn't have a place to live. She doesn't care. So he decides that he has to join some weird, sketchy fraternity. And it's just like, first off, everybody is strange. And plus, there's some mysterious, you know, old homeless man who tries to warn him they're dead. They're not real. And it's just, you know, it's just like, wait, where is campus security? Like, why are you? Does he live in the bushes? And it's just he's always there. He knows everything. It's crazy Rolf from Friday the 13th trying to warn you against <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. And it's like out of all the fraternities, he literally joins like the worst one. Anyway, um, soon he re- he discovers like this fraternity, like it's actually like a voodoo cult. And, you know, they don't want to have parties with kegs. They want to do human sacrifice. And it's just, that's That's extreme. your kind of party though, right? Not mine. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's but, 2021. Anything's possible. Yeah. True, true. But seriously, you know, it is a little bit cheesy and everything. But I don't know. There's just something about this one I really like. I remember watching it in third grade. And there's like a dead girl with a long tongue. There's um like snake tattoos and zombies and mind control. So well, like, um, it's cultist it's a lot stuff of fun. is totally your jam to begin with. And then you it throw is. in a third grade, you know, <laughs> nostalgia memory. I get it. Yeah, yeah. It was always such a good time when when I watched it. But yeah, so that was like the the first thing. So, but again, if you decide to check it out, like it is cheesy, but. It'll grow on you because there is something like it. <laughs> there's something innocent about the film, you know, like the director was really trying, like he wanted to like sell it to us. A so. very earnest made movie. Yeah. Okay. Then the next thing I watched on, um, this was another rewatch for me. It was Into the Dark, like New Year, New You on Hulu from 2018, where these friends, they decide to like these girlfriends, they gather on New Year's Eve just to have a party, you know, talk about memories and stuff like that. But then... You know, things just get weird because there's jealousy and there's just like some unresolved things. And it's kind of like, you know, Lord of the Flies. It just like as it, as we get closer to midnight, it's like what's happening, you know. But um, I really I really like this one. And I'm a fan of the Into the Dark series. I know that there are some misses, like some hit or misses when it comes to this uh, series. But this one was one of my favorite ones. I love how like the director or the the writer like they're able to help like they've built up like just the tension and the insecurities like between the girls like you just you know that there's just something not right and you're just waiting for like that blow up yeah and it's not so much of a like a cat fight it's like you're running around killing people like that's a bit much you know there there's some mean girls in this one yeah yeah it's it's a lot of fun and I feel like I love how they also showcase like the influencer type of world and how it could be toxic with you know self-care and it's just like you don't really mean that so <laughs> oh um weird thing which I I wasn't too sure if I should talk about this one or not but I watched a really cool movie um it's not really a horror it's not a horror at all actually but it has like horror elements called unknown origins really cool movie on netflix it's basically about Is like this serial killer oh, it's, it okay, came okay. out last year so in the summer i want gotcha. to say um it's basically like a serial killer is running around obviously killing people but this person is imitating like the first appearances of like superheroes so like a re like recreating like batman but in a deadly kind of sense huh. and yeah, so if you like the movie Seven, but you also like Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, what I think an interesting really mashup. <laughs> that is the yeah. most insane mashup I've ever heard. That's seriously, that's literally how it is. There's a lot of like um, pop culture references and everything. And this movie's from Spain, I believe. Uh -huh. I, yeah, it is Spanish. Yeah, I loved it. Like seriously, it's so good. And they have the option on Netflix where you you can watch it dubbed. So just in case if you don't you know want to pay attention to the screen like that, but I highly recommend it. Seriously, really good. So cool. Okay, what about you, Megan? I uh, keeping the Spain train going here. Um, I watched Thirty Coins. That Ooh. premieres. Well, it's already premiered in Spain on HBO. Um, and it the first two episodes premiered Monday, Monday night. Oh, nice. um, also on HBO Max if you don't have HBO. Uh, so yeah, it's a 2020. It's brand spanking new. And the plot basically, 
at its most simplest, is an exiled priest tries to escape his demons while living in a remote village in Spain. Ooh. It is a new series by Alex de la Iglesia, who I absolutely freaking adore. I don't even know what would be a good entry point for people because it varies. You know, The Last Circus is one of my favorites. The mm-hmm. Day of the Beast is a, you know, holiday classic. Uh, yeah, so he's he's got this very kind of distinct brand of absurdist mm-hmm. humor and, you know, drama exploring the human condition and a whole lot of shocking violence. Um, he does not shy away from that. But it's only eight episodes long, uh, at least the first season. I don't know if it'll be renewed. I, I would I would hope so, but you never know. I also like self-contained stories. But it's a very interesting twist on Vatican conspiracy and the biblical battle of good versus evil in the sense that he's it's never what you think it is. It's, you know, you, you tell me that kind of plot and I'm instantly like thinking of the exorcist or the exorcist TV series, what that set up before that got canceled. Damn you Fox. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) But it's, it's also because it's done in this small rural town in Spain, kind of through their lens, uh, you get to learn a little bit at a time. It's like, he's this exiled priest who used to be a convict who used to be an exorcist before that went wrong and things start happening in this town like from the very beginning a cow gives birth to a baby and then it gets then it gets really weird from there and then the next episode is a whole other kind of facet of the town you know with a ouija board and another episode has a, a mirror that does weird things and they're all connected and he ends up um, not to his own liking, but forging a team with the town vet and the mayor. And it's it's just this extremely fascinating show that has some really, really bizarre creature designs in it and really cool ideas. And, you know, if you don't know, the opening credit sequence will explain the 30 coins is essentially the 30 coins of silver that Judas received to betray jesus and Mm. that's a totem of power that the bad guys really really want to bring about whatever kind of destruction they're planning so yeah it's a super cool show it just started it's you know two episodes monday and then it's gonna go weekly but i recommend highly um that sounds good it is so good. And uh, then I watched Sunshine, which is currently on Hulu, released in... I just watched this. Did you? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, came out originally in 2007. I watched this because I watched Wonder Woman 84, and there's a specific <laughs> moment where she's, like, learning to fly, and this music kicks in, and it's Sunshine, Adagio, and D minor, which... Mm was from the score of Sunshine. Like, it's been replicated a whole lot since. But that moment in this movie, I was like, wait a minute. That doesn't really fit the tone of John Murphy's score here. And then it made me want to watch it. So I did. I didn't get deep enough deep enough into the new Wonder, World, Wonder Woman movie to hear it. So <laughs> I didn't get the connection. I mean, I yeah. It's because it's such a distinct song that I absolutely love. And then it's the, the moment you hear it for the first time in the movie is like this 
gorgeous, gorgeous moment of kind of devastation that it just seared into my brain. And I, I, anytime I hear it, I'm instantly triggered by Sunshine. So if you have no idea what Sunshine is, it's uh, directed by Danny Boyle, who did 28 Days Later, and written by Alex Garland of Annihilation. And it follows a team of international uh, astronauts. They're sent on a dangerous mission to reignite the dying sun with a nuclear fission bomb in 2057. The sun is dying, therefore the Earth is dying, and a crew had previously been sent out to reignite the sun to give us a chance to live, and they failed, and here's the second crew. And naturally, stuff goes wrong. I, I adore this movie. I saw it in theaters when it first came out, and I adored it then. I still adore it. It's gorgeous. It's very kind of intellectual in parts. Uh, Definitely a sci-fi thriller. And then the final act that tends to divide people greatly. I don't mind it. I do think it's weirdly shot, but I don't think it's totally disjointed from or disconnected from the first two halves. Yeah. If it's between watching Sunshine again and Ad Astra again, I'd rather watch Sunshine. Are you team for or against the final act without spoilers? Uh, admittedly, I did not see it coming. Yeah. I was, best case scenario, I was curious. Because I, once, let's say the trajectory of the movie changed. Yeah. I was one, like something was going to happen. I right. just didn't know what was going to happen. and. It was. I'm fine with it. Like yeah. it didn't destroy the movie for me, but it definitely was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, it's that's the moment where it goes sci-fi thriller to oh, more horror, and that yeah. that loses a lot of people. It doesn't really bother me so much because I do think that there is a side character that or a supporting character really that kind of helps set it up in a way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> me dodging spoilers. But, um, yeah, it's really good. I love this. I will say that I saw this when I saw this in theaters based on the plot. Um, I got to the end and then the film burned up on screen, oh, you no. know, and oh, I whoa. and it was right at the end. And I thought that was actually That's supposed amazing. to be part of the movie because it was just it was like so fitting. It was literally right at the end. And then the film. Burned. So it wasn't until like home release that I realized that was not the actual ending. That was not supposed oh, to happen. Awesome. So memories. Honestly, I never heard of this movie, and I just like looked. I know how. I don't know, but I looked it up, and it has like like a really great cast. Like, yeah, cast. Murphy, Chris Evans, Rose yeah. Byrne. Yeah, yeah, Rose Byrne. I, there's not a person in that cast that is not somebody. Like there, it's yeah. a fully stacked cast. Yeah, okay. and it's by two really great filmmakers. Like Alex Garland is is really coming mm-hmm. into his own lately. Uh, but started as a screenwriter and Danny Boyle, you know. Mm. So yeah, it's yeah. it's yeah. excellent stuff. Just be warned that you know that third act is either going to make it or break it for you. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm also starting to get the impression that Cillian Murphy is like the director's favorite actor because Killian he works Murphy? multiple times. It's Killian. I it's it was Killian. Cillian. Nope. It's Killian. Ah. Good old well, Irish. I apologize. It's cool. It's like the one time I know a name that I can pronounce. <laughs> But, I mean, between this, uh, Sunshine and 28 Days Later, uh, then if you look at him working with Christopher Nolan across basically all of Christopher Nolan's properties, mm-hmm. um, like, he definitely, I mean, he's also just an interesting, he's got such an interesting look and delivery. 
but he's one of the few actors. I've talked to my wife about this. Like, there's very few actors that I can watch that I'm not I'm not actively thinking who they are. Mm-hmm. Like, Leonardo Leonardo DiCaprio is an amazing actor. I always know I'm watching Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm-hmm. I'm never not watching him. If, if it's The Revenant, if it's Django Unchained, I'm always very aware it's Leonardo DiCaprio, mm-hmm. even though it's a different character. Um, it's like uh, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise is always Tom Cruise, except in Tropic Thunder. <laughs> Uh, but like, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman was, was, was like that where I could watch Philip Seymour Hoffman. He always seemed different mm-hmm. to me. So he's like, more of a chameleon actor for you. Y- yeah, yeah. Like maybe not intentionally doing it, but, and maybe it's just the way he sells it. Maybe he just brings something different. Like, because I mean, frankly, just his posture and his look between sunshine and 28 days later doesn't seem that different, mm-hmm. but he's a very different character. Like it's it's I don't know I, I'm I'm a fan, but in like a weird way. <laughs> he's a good <laughs> yeah. actor. Yeah, he's he a good actor. Like he's not necessarily who I'd put at the top of my list, mm-hmm. but I, I've never seen a performance of his where I was like, ah, I phoned that in, or ah, that was no good. Like, I, he's a really good actor. I also love that you never know what to expect from him up front. Like he could mm-hmm. be a villain. Mm-hmm. He's just got mm-hmm. that et, like just he does line right up there where you he could go either way. You know, like in a mm-hmm. quiet place too. I can't tell if he's going to be a bad guy or a good guy. I mean, I'm yeah. sure that's intentional, but not every actor can pull that off well. You mm-hmm. know, they they're yeah, either just, perpetually the protagonist or you know they're always the villain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, would you watch? Well, I went all the way back to the '90s. Um, you and Zena and the both. 90s are, they are not my favorite decade, as far as uh, horror is concerned. Um, and <laughs> both my choices are weird for this. Then, <laughs> so this is because I recently discovered I actually do have HBO Max. I was looking through it and I got super excited that House on Haunted Hill oh from God, 1999 yes. is on it. Such a great movie. Now, this is part of me trying to broaden my horizons and watching things that I actively don't like. Aww. Okay. Don't spit your tea on the microphone. I, almost, <laughs> I am cheering you on like, yes, love it. And you No, um, not that I dislike House on Haunted Hill. Uh, shaky heads. The the, yeah. the 90s Marilyn Manson tool stuff I don't like visually. It's but like that was so creepy back in the day. Oh, Gothica and stuff like, yeah, that mm-hmm. stuff. It, to this day, it gets me. Any stop motion type thing, don't. Don't, don't, don't like stop it. motion. Uh, but anyway. A group of strangers are invited to a party at an abandoned insane asylum where they're offered $1 million each by an amusement park, mo- amusement park mogul if they're able to survive the night. I forgot Jeffrey Combs was in this as Vanicut. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right off the bat. Yeah. Never even placed it. But I think I saw this for the first time back in 1999, and I feel like this was one of the first horror movies that I bought on VHS and that I watched fairly regularly, actually. Dang. As far as horror movies were concerned. Uh, there's something about the first 45 minutes of this movie that get, that it just captivates me. I love the first, like, pretty much up until they go into the basement. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not that I dislike everything that happens once they start getting into the house. It's just that some of those tropes that visually I don't like, they're jarring to me, happen. And, you know, it's full of plot holes. Like, there's some massive plot holes in this movie. Like, you could drive a bus through. But what I was thinking when I was watching it is, this is perfect for a remake like this general principle like actually like not haunting a pill like house, for the second like, time 
Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. But and that's a that's a funny part to me is that like the original house on Haunted Hill isn't isn't very is it's not great. Mm-hmm. I, it's watchable for sure, but I love it. Come on, I love it, like, the original. It's, it's more but fun, it's, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like a it's it's not like a horror classic. Like I never watched, uh, with the exception of the maid. <laughs> Who I guess was supposed to be scary, but wasn't really supposed to be scary. Like, there's no scares in it, and like the 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 skeleton what? work and stuff. The house that haunted him, like that one scene. That's a jump scare with the the lady. Maid. Yeah, yeah. That is an effective but that, but, scare. But to me, like that was the only one. Um. So like remaking it, it didn't. I I wasn't like offended that the original was remade. Um, I love the homage to Vincent Price, though, mm-hmm. that they're basically like, Jeffrey Rush, you're going to be Vincent Price. We're you know what the funny thing Price. is, is I'm pretty sure he is not based, like, he's not basing his performance on Vincent Price. It just. I the, don't know how he's not. John, John he Waters. The look. Yeah, the look. Oh, but he was literally yeah. going for kind of like John Waters-ish. Somehow he landed on Vincent Price. <laughs> I don't know if he did or if it just you naturally gravitate to it because it could be the the correlation between yeah the two because it's a well. remake. But you know, either way, he's freaking great in this movie. He is, but but it feels so right for like in the in the world of reboots that we exist in. Like the concept of this movie is pretty straightforward. Like it's like it's going to a house. It's haunted. You're staying there because you want money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. And the, I, I feel like the, if, considering all the properties that are getting remade, it'd be a little bit surprising to me if we didn't see this in the next five years. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing I could possibly think of is people be like, well, what about Haunting of Hill House? Like that's a, like it's connected, but it's not because mm-hmm. like the titles are too close. Like that might in some weird production mindset like people might not want to do that um but yeah it was one of the things i was watching i'm like god i really love so much of the lead up and like the chris Catan is hilarious in it he's the best and i guess he was hired just to be comic relief and the director just said just go because we need something to break the tension in the movie and stuff Mm -hmm. and it was great i love him in it um but yeah uh house on haunted hill hbo max uh it's 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 like nineties horror to the core for me. Um it's like the Kickstarter like, of Dark Castle. You know, they yes. were kind of starting yeah, their yeah. their you know, William Castle did the original and th- their initial blueprint was that they would be remaking William Castle productions, hence Dark Castle. Mm-hmm. But the thing about those movies that I don't think you can replicate, you know, you say that this one's good for easy remakes but part of what made this movie so special and all of dark castle's initial outputs is the production design they had Mm. massive budget production design you think about dark castle or you know house on hunted hill and that the the hospital itself this massive gothic Mm -hmm. thing and then 13 ghosts with that not just the ghost designs but the glass house Mm-hmm. ghost ship you know to a lesser extent like all of their initial output they were massive budgets uh oh and house of wax my favorite you know that's an entire oh, yeah. town so grace these things are yeah. not so easy to replicate anymore because horror doesn't get that massive budget and i think mm-hmm. that that's why these movies are so beloved now okay so maybe not easy to remake right free remake it doesn't necessarily have to be the same big spectacle either. Like, obviously, like, reboots can exist in any number of ways. Right. Now, 
I feel like having you having said that, losing the grandeur of it mm-hmm. might detract from people who are fans of the original. Yeah. But you're always going to piss off fans of the original no matter what you do. True. But, but you, you know, know um, I can see yeah. this one as a as a as a remake and honestly I'm surprised uh, like what you said John that it hasn't been done. And yeah, no, it, it can't be redone exactly, especially set design, but there are ways nowadays just take advantage of I don't know, found footage, social media type of thing, just switch up the storyline. Um, which I know people is like they they probably hate it, but there's there's a way. I don't know. I would like to see it like more modernized, but that's just but me. It, I feel like if you're distilling it down to the most basic plot terms, like somebody staying overnight in a haunted house for specific monetary gains, like Gongium Haunted Asylum, or, essentially is that too with the social media angle. Yeah. So yeah, if that's what you're looking for, that exists all over. But it's like. I feel like they could still have the same the same thing. Like it could well, it could still be kind of like the same storyline. Perhaps maybe they can even pull like a spellcaster where it is kind of like, okay, this is a game. You know, these are the contestants. So what you're saying is spellcaster <laughs> needs the reboot. No, I want to see House on Haunted Hill. <laughs> because technically, was that a house? It was it was a hospital, you know, and they switched that up. So mm-hmm, I think it could happen. Okay, before before this devolves into just a, a boxing match via <laughs> Zoom. No, no, I have never. another '90s movie. Okay, um, which I'd never seen before, despite being a huge fan of Twin Peaks. I'd never seen 1992's Firewalk with Me, which is also on HBO Max. The film revolves around the investigation into the murder of Teresa Banks in the last seven days in the life of Laura Palmer a popular high school student in the fictional Washington town of Twin Peaks. Now, calling this horror uh, subjective, up to you. Um, I feel like most do. Kind of like, yeah, I, I think you should. I th- frankly, Dave, anything David Lynch is attached to, uh, especially as director and writer, yeah, is going to be horror. Like, it just is. Um, and I love the original Twin Peaks series. I kind of rediscovered it a few years ago again after thinking it was pretty cheesy the first time I watched it. But like, that's like super endearing to me now, like the over the top, just bonkersness. David Lynch's performance in it himself, like as yeah. the, the deaf FBI. I love director, him. Hilarious. He's so funny. Like when I first saw him on film and, or, or in that role on the TV show and said like it was David Lynch, I was like, Wait, that's the guy who did a racer head? Yeah. What? Like it was confusing to me. Um, <laughs> that's that sums him up in a nutshell, yeah. And he's just so surrealistic. Like I I, I treated myself in this new year. I bought uh, the masterclass uh subscription. Oh cool. And David Lynch teaches filmmaking in one of them, and I haven't watched it yet. And now I really want to watch it just to see what he has to say. Do um, it. But it it's so for those of you who haven't watched uh, Twin Peaks, and I haven't seen the new season because I don't have Showtime. Um, it's way weirder. Oh, that that's from what I've seen. Yeah, it looks like it, it gets even further down the road. But like Twin Peaks was so, it was such an amazing like cultural phenomenon too. Like when it came out in like 1991, it was huge. Everyone wanted to know who killed Laura Palmer. I think that Twin Peaks was really one of the first times in pop culture and especially in network television that we saw something that could be predominantly called horror taking center stage. Mm-hmm. 
and like it, it opens up with the un like Laura Palmer's body being unwrapped from in plastic, like a body is literally out of the water after and, and that she's been sexually abused and killed. You go to the train car scene and everything like that, and it, it was just really jarring television that really hit people huge until people found out who killed Laura Palmer and then everyone stopped watching. Yeah, I think that's that's the kinder way of putting or maybe the meaner way of putting it. They harassed David Lynch like he wasn't going to to solve that mystery so soon. He was going to draw out that mystery. I was wondering because they solve it in a season and a half. Like that seemed way shorter than I would yeah, have expected. Yeah, people were hot yeah. mad that they didn't know by end of season one. And so what ended up oh. happening is he gave him what he wanted and then he went off the rails to do whatever he wanted. And the show got even weirder. Yeah, mm. with the Black Lodge and everything else. and Which, you know, I don't mind. But like the, but there's so much about the show that's hilarious too. Like Bob, like Bob, who if you've seen the show and if you've seen Firewalk with me, is the, I guess antagonist, one of the antagonists that exists. Um, like he wasn't supposed to appear in the first episode. He's like a sound guy who got caught in the reflection of a mirror at the very end. Like he wasn't supposed to be there. Like the flickering lights in the morgue, that was a mistake. That was a prop problem. Like people's gaffes and like their lines that was kept in because David Lynch like, no, that's good. Just go. Like, there's so much creativity and surreal, like, surreal imagery. Firewalk with me opens up with one of the most surreal, weird scenes with a lady in red doing this weird dance and Chris Isaac interpreting instead of her just saying words. I was watching it like, what did I miss? Did I suddenly jump an hour forward? What the hell is happening? Um, But it's so stylized and noir and, like familiar despite that it's not i guess like it's just it's got its own tone that is equal parts haunting and upsetting and endearing and it's everything about twin peaks or at least what the first the original two seasons and fire walk with me is just amazing like it's one of those foundational things for me like if someone were to like ask like about horror television like you would have like Haunting of Hill House or stuff like that streaming on Netflix and things like that. And I feel like you have to include Twin Peaks. Like being able to combine the thriller and the mystery and the detective noir, the the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't realize that like David Lynch like made that himself. Like I was trying to find some of those songs. Like, oh, where did he get that from? It's like, no, he just created that. Like that was Yeah. So Firewalk with me, HBO Max. I'm just gonna ramble down that road for a long time unless I throw myself off the rails. So Quick round the table. What did we watch? How did we watch it? I watched um, Voodoo on YouTube. And then I watched Into the Dark's New Year, New You on Hulu. I watched 30 Coins on HBO Max and Sunshine on Hulu. And I watched House on Haunted Hill on HBO Max and Firewalk with Me on HBO Max. Now, enough of what we've been watching this week and me rambling about Twin Peaks. It's time for Megan to bring us up to speed on the news and trending topics in the world of horror. So what's going on, Megan? Uh, this one's a quick one. Uh, Bruce Campbell is doing live commentary for Evil Dead as part of a virtual watch party this month. Presented by Watch With, Bruce Campbell is going to be taking part in the virtual viewing of Sam Raimi's horror classic with the horror nice. icon providing the live commentary. 
The Watch With team explains of this event that, um, have you ever dreamed of watching your favorite movie with the star from that flick? Now's your chance to hand over the remote control to the stars and let them guide you through your faves like you have never experienced before. Join the celebrity watch party and relive the movie through the eyes of the star, pausing the action to explain the scenes, tell unknown stories about the action, or provide funny tidbits of trivia straight from the source. I imagine that he's going to have a whole bunch of funny tidbits because it's Bruce Campbell. So it's a worldwide virtual event, meaning that obviously it's not geo-locked. It will be available. It's going to start on Saturday, January 23rd at 6 p.m. Pacific or 9 p.m. Eastern and will be available for 48 hours following the live event. Uh, Tickets start at $25 for the live stream plus the subsequent video on demand offering. Or $50 VIP tickets will also get you limited edition poster, and you can find tickets for the event on StellarTickets.com. So, nice. yeah, just in a couple of weeks, if you need some something to break up your winter, that would probably be a fun time. And next, Season 2 of Nickelodeon's Are You Afraid of the Dark reveals its title. So Nickelodeon revealed the first footage from their second season of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Um, I think it was on Twitter or social media, probably all platforms. The beloved horror anthology series returns with a fresh look at the new Midnight Society. In addition, the teaser revealed the official title as Curse of the Shadow, which is in reference to the newest villain known as Shadow Man. So season two has been expanded. I don't know if either of you watched the revival from last October. It was only three episodes long. Oh, um, no, no, I, I I missed out on it. Have you watched it? Is it good? I like it, but I also yeah. really like the original. Um, but it's only three episodes. You know, I was going to ask John, you know, no, his daughter kind of is into horror, but still baby, baby toes in the water here. <sighs> yeah, as far as TV shows are concerned, she kind of got into Goosebumps nice. a little bit. Not all of them. Uh, right now she's for some reason, obsessed with Little Shop of Horrors. Aw, she's so cool. Like, crazy obsessed. Like, she won't stop talking about it. I think she saw a trailer on some, or she heard some mention of it, and she mentioned it, and then my dad said, oh, Little Shop of Horror, I, I, I know that movie. And, like, she loves my dad, too, so she likes, like, well, I guess I need to love Little Shop of Horror. so now Aww. she's always asking me questions about Audrey, and, like, I'm trying to explain, like, Steve Martin's character, like she's like, yeah, he dies with this mask on. I'm like, yeah, he was abusing drugs, um, <laughs> and he's abusive. And so in the movie, it's okay he dies. Uh, we're gonna have deeper talks tonight now. Aww. So yeah, it's turned into a lot of life lessons by a little shop of, by a 1986 uh, Rick Moranis joint. <laughs> Good times. Yeah, this yeah. this is you know on a Nickelodeon and it's made for for kids so the the first season was three episodes of the well the of the revival like I don't remember how long the original series ran and the original series was different because it's you know the Midnight Society's group kids gathering around a fire telling each other stories so each episode Mm -hmm. is a different story very kind of goosebump style but the revival seems to be a season-long storyline that directly involves the midnight society so the first season was uh, awesome. a carnival of doom and this one Ooh. seems to uh take these new group of kids on a tale about a curse that has been cast over their small seaside town haunted by an all-new villain the shadow man so <laughs> and it's written by jt billings who also serves as co-executive producer and showrunner so it's this kind of interesting format where it's like I said, a season long 
story that changes up new cast, new villains, all of that every season, and clearly new showrunner because last season it was it was a different showrunner. So yeah, I think it's interesting. It is very you know for a younger audience um or even if you are nostalgic for the original though it is different so i guess your mileage may vary there but i'm always always a huge proponent of gateway horror so i thought that was interesting and uh roku is in talks to save quibi's shows so as far as streaming services go quibi had a rough year they started and they ended (laughs) they did not draw in the subscribers that they needed and they shut down almost as quickly as they began um which left their content you know up in the air it's 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 non-existent because quibi shut these you can't even access it to go look at the old stuff it's shut down sorry i need a refresher because i'm not up to i I don't i remember quibi coming out and there being a lot of fanfare and then the fanfare turning into a completely different sound yeah but was quibi the one where you're only able to like watch it on devices exactly quibi literally was it's quick bites combined and Mm. you could only watch it on your phone and these episodes it could either be tv shows or movies that were broken down into quick bite format so seven minutes here eight minutes there and eventually you would watch the entire movie or show or whatever which is a really really weird format um which that's in itself is why i don't think it was successful despite drawing an insane amount of a-list talent behind Mm -hmm. the lens and in front of the camera whatever uh so i get it but yeah so roku apparently is in talks to try and possibly save the content under the terms the companies have discussed roku would acquire rights to quibi's library uh financial terms of the proposed deal couldn't be learned and it's being that it's in talks it, it can still fall apart so it's not a given but for those that did like Quibi's content or at least were super curious about their content, uh, there's there's potential save. So that means that outside of Sam Raimi's anthology series 50 States of Fright, uh, Quibi also gave birth to The Expecting, a pregnancy thriller directed by American Psycho's Mary Heron, and the Hitcher-inspired Makeham Monroe and Dane DeHaan starring The Stranger. Uh, among several other kind of genre-adjacent thrillers and, and stories. So there's there's some interesting stuff, but uh, it, it's interesting because it sparks the conversation of what happens to digital content when the platforms cease to exist. You know, Netflix mm-hmm. is considered the leader, but if anything ever happened to Netflix, what would happen to the bulk of their original content because you know none of it is really on on physical media very very few shows or movies make it to blu-ray so there's just content that maybe we'll get lucky and they'll sell them for cheap to somebody else who will put them out or maybe those rights will be super murky and they'll get lost Mm -hmm. so It's just an interesting conversation in the sense that it's like, yeah, I love streaming services because they give us access to things that we may not have otherwise found. But in the same breath, you know, we we mourn some movies that never got transported from VHS to DVD to Blu-ray. What happens to all the new content? And there's so many of it these days that could get lost. So I don't know Mm -hmm. if you guys have any thoughts or, or wanted to weigh in on that. 
<laughs> I'm sorry. I was smiling because when when you said that Quibi, I don't know why I started thinking about Quiznos. I could be, <laughs> I could be All hungry. All right, let's talk about that. <laughs> but, you know, oh, I, I, I could be hungry, but yeah, no, you know, maybe. You know, I want a sandwich too. <laughs> What's weird is, um, I didn't even know that they launched. You know, I remember always yeah. hearing about it and everything, and then next thing I know, oh, they're shutting down. It's like, what? When did they even launch? Last like, year. Like, not even trying to be mean. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, they did. They did try a lot to push you know, to get the word out. But I just don't think that this was a particular niche type of consuming content that people were really yeah. into. Yeah. I only remember that they launched because I remember uh, Brad Miska was uh, tweeting about like the launch and like the expectation versus the reality and like what happened. And yeah. Yeah. I, otherwise I would have totally missed it too. I would have been like, that's a word that sounds familiar. <laughs> what was that? Yeah. No, I've thought about that. I mean, I have thought about that topic before, um, not in terms of horror at all. Like, this is just another weird little glimpse into my life, I guess. So my wife and I really love the show Queer Eye. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And, like, we got through Shit's Creek, and we're like, we really need some positive shows to watch right now, so we don't. You know, and we're like, and, and she, like, I, she asked, look through Pinterest or something to find it. And we started watching Queer Eye, and we're like, it's just, like, a good, uplifting show. Mm-hmm. But we got really upset one time because... Okay, have you ever gone on Netflix and you want to keep watching something that you were just watching? Mm-hmm. Like, and mm-hmm. you go to the continue watching, but the thing you were watching isn't on there for some reason? Yeah. Yes. And, like, you have to you have to search for it so it's there, but it's not on there. It's like, I literally watched it yesterday. Where'd it go? Mm-hmm. So that happened with us with Queer Eye once, and they changed the cover art. Oh. So I thought it was gone. And I was like, this is a Netflix show. Why would they get rid of it? Yeah. And then I was totally, th- I was absolutely thinking about that same thing. I'm like, yeah, because if Netflix just suddenly decided to drop content, Mm-hmm. Like it's gone. Yeah. Like the like the hundred million dollars that they dropped into like uh like Bright with Will Smith or the the Jamie Foxx Joseph Gordon Levitt movie, which I already forgot the name of <laughs> Power, I think it was called. I don't know either. Um these massive budget movies that they are just sinking so much money into. Mm-hmm. And it's just like they can just be like, Yeah, nah, let's get yeah, rid of it. They it's have gone. to if they if something if they go belly up, you know, we have no idea where these, when we're going to get to see some of this content yeah. again. So it's kind of, you know, not to be a downer, but it's a, it's a, it's a scary food for thought. Well, and it's an interesting dynamic because I remember before streaming and everything else, it was always just the talks of a studio would make and produce a movie and then just shelve it. It's, nah, mm. but it's not going to release it. We spent the money on it. Nah, yeah. Don't want to. So, but, but the public never saw it. So it didn't matter. It was conjecture. It was wondering what could have been, whatever. But like this, if you have seen it, yeah. if you have, if you've loved it, or if you're even curious about seeing it again or whatever, and it's just gone, yeah, like that's a that's just a different level of streaming culture. Mm-hmm. Like that's, and I'm sure it'll happen at some point. Well, I really hope that Roku saved the day. You know, especially or maybe with somebody. The, yeah, someone that would just suck. So. I mean, if they're offering money, take it, Quibi. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I guess this is definitely news worth mentioning, but happy birthday, Zena. When oh, this my episode, gosh. When this episode drops on Wednesday, it will be Zena's birthday. Uh, Thank you. Happy birthday. Thank you, yeah. guys. So if oh you're gosh. listening, I recommend celebrating her birthday by either following her on social, subscribing yes. to her YouTube channel, or, you know, reviewing our podcast on iTunes. 
That would be great. Uh, or just send her warm birthday messages or all of the above. But happy birthday, Zena. Or some Pepsi. Or some Pepsi. Or some, <laughs> you know, bubble tea. Uh, yeah, or Quiznos sandwich. Or Quiznos sandwich. I'm I'm hungry. But no, thank Gift you. Gift card to Quiznos. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, you know, I feel like a magical woman. You know, I'm leveling up to a new year, new me. Um, there you go. Gosh, this is exciting. I bought a new crop sweater. So you are living I your life. I saw your Frankenstein bag on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, isn't it cute? It is. <laughs> it, it would, I couldn't pull it off. <laughs> you never say never. All right, listeners, your turn. You excited for Zena's birthday? Or, I guess, listening to Bruce Campbell talk about the Evil Dead? Let's hear about it. Number is 224-475-1040. The number's in the show notes. Please limit yourself to one question or comment per call. Finally, if you're anything like us, you spend, oh, let's just say, all your time. It's a new year. Just go watch stuff. It's, yeah. Find, find happy stuff. But you're going to need help because Shutter Netflix, Amazon has so much stuff out there. So Zena's going to let us know what we should be watching. So Zena, what should we be watching? So on Tuesday, the 5th, Love and Monsters will be available on DVD. So just in case if you missed this one last year. So this one's about in a monster infested world, Joel learns his girlfriend is just 85 miles away. To make the dangerous journey, Joel discovers his inner hero to be with the girl of his dreams. This is one that I did miss out on watching. I'm saying last year like it was that long ago. But um, <laughs> so, was. last year was six years long. It was. True, true. Was. But you, uh, you can uh, purchase it on DVD. And then on Saturday the 9th, A Discovery of Witches Season 2 would be available, will be available on Shudder. I don't know if any of you um, checked out the first season to this series. Yeah, so I tried watching um, the first episode... But not that there was anything wrong. You know, again, I feel like I'm always saying this. There are so, there are so many shows, so I didn't get a chance to, like, finish. And I was going to try to catch up. Mm-hmm. Um, but look at me. But, yeah, so that yeah, one will be available, <laughs> you know, on uh, Saturday. So just in case, if you are interested, uh, this follows, like, a, a historian named Diana Bishop, who is kind of denying her heritage of being a witch. And... You know, it's a it's the type of world where there are witches and vampires and demons and stuff like that. So that seems like it's a fun time. So and season two involves time travel. What? <laughs> and that too. And then, of course, <laughs> bloody disgusting TV is available. Of so. course. And that's the Bloody Disgusting podcast for this week, everyone. If you'd like to read more from Megan, you can check out her reviews at bloodydisgusting.com and on Twitter at Haunted Meg. Zena can be found on her own site, realqueenofhorror.com, and the YouTube channel of the same name, or at lovelyzena on Twitter. Follow all and wish her a happy birthday. And you can hear me on my weekly Horror Narration podcast, Creepy. Don't forget to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app, and feel free to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BeDisgustingPod, or drop us an email at BeDisgustingPodcast at gmail.com. So, for this week, I'm John. I'm Megan. I'm Zena. Grab some popcorn, cozy up on the couch, and watch something you love. Just make sure it's something bloody. Bye.